Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Woody Allen Retrospective right here on planettyro.com. I'm your host, Donald Wanda, and I am back with the master of assholes, Simon Red. Yeah, happy holidays, everybody. By the time this recording's up, the holidays are long gone. But thanks for that, Simon. I'm sure people appreciate the gesture. So... <laughs> I don't recall saying happy holidays to anybody. And besides, I don't say it because I mean it. I say it in the hopes of offending somebody who's triggered by not saying Merry Christmas. Yep, yep. Anti-Trump Simon Red. Wearing your cape or whatever the hell you're doing. Guys, you know, before we get started, I want to give a massive shout out to our buddy, the Woody Allen Pages. He's released a new watches, guys. He's actually collected a lot of his previous ones into like two volumes, which is great. And also, he made this awesome Woody Allen collage of all the actors he's worked with, and it is fucking awesome. If you're on YouTube, I'm putting on the screen right now. Check out the Watchers guy. It's been a while since we plugged this guy, but he's always supported what we're doing. We appreciate the feedback. And if you're a Woody Allen fan, check out the website. But guys, if you're a fan of his, if you're a fan of Woody Allen's work and you've been following our retrospective, you'll know that last time we spoke about one of Woody Allen's most magnificent, celebrated, worshipped movies. It was 2011's Midnight in Paris. Yes, that marvelous movie, which still holds up pretty well today. We're in the right decade anyway, so how badly could it have aged? It aged perfectly, and if you want to check out what we said on that discussion, I'll put a link in the top right-hand corner of the YouTube card. You can go back to that discussion. If you listen on the podcast, I'll put a link in the description. But we are moving on because we're on the final phase of this retrospective. We are in the 2010s. Guys, don't forget that we've got the website WoodyAllenRetro.com where you can find all our previous recordings. All of these discussions are spoiler discussions if this is your first time joining in. But today, we're going to take another sidestep. And to be honest with you, I'm really glad we're doing this little sidestep because not only... That makes one of us. Oh, Simon. The people love it when we cover every single aspect of Woody Allen's life. Even Woody Allen doesn't even want us to do this. But... Still, the fans like it. And I think this is a very good documentary people should check out. But Simon, why don't you tell us what we're talking about? And then we'll go back and forth as as we usually do. Yeah, a small confession. Um, I kind of have nothing up on the screen. So if you would do the honors, you know, this is a special sidestep. So might as well you do your special thing this time (laughs) around. You're right. I'll take the reels on this one because I definitely pushed this one on you. And I am really impressed with this one. So guys, we're still keeping in line chronologically. From Midnight in Paris, in 2012, we've got Robert Wydey. Robert Wydey is a big proponent for Woody Allen. He's a documentarian. He's worked on Kirby Enthusiasm. And he created this documentary, which was picked up by PBS's American Master Series, which is called Woody Allen, a documentary. Very creative title, I gotta say. You know, I didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Hey, man, Woody Allen is a simple man. So I like the fact, well, <laughs> in a sense, I like the fact he's just... Kept... <laughs> well, depending on what's your relationship with him. If you're his ex-wife, he's not that simple. <laughs> Guys, this is a documentary, a celebrity documentary that I think is very, very special. Not only because Woody Allen is such a unique director, actor, comedian, whatnot, but because you don't get a lot of celebrity documentaries which actually features the focal person they're talking about in the documentary Woody Allen himself is a big part of this documentary and I think the reason why Robert Wiley decided to have Woody Allen in the documentary is because Woody Allen is notoriously sheepish about his life Woody Allen doesn't really want people to know about his inner working so it's kind of a I feel like Robert Wiley went the extra mile to get him in the documentary to get him to guide you through his life from beginning to end to take us through this journey and the first thing I'll say about the documentary is there's two cuts of it. There's a two-hour cut, just like a normal movie cut, and there's like a three to four-hour cut, which is very concise. But 
me and you watched the full three and a half hour cut. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Not just because I'm a Woody Allen fan, but the way they, the way Robert Wydie made this documentary and the way Woody Allen's life has actually turned out, I actually think it played out pretty much like a movie in itself. Well, I thought it was three hours. It's three hours and a half. Yeah. That, that's my compliment. It felt, felt only like three hours. Now I'm kidding. It was good. It was good. Okay. Okay, I admit it. It wasn't bad. Even though, like you said, it's a sidestep. But um, this is the same guy he did that Facebook interview where we spoke about briefly previously, right? Correct. It's the same guy, yeah. So, so he's obviously a fan. And he's basically that friend Woody Allen has who's trying to motivate him to do something for his own career. You know, Woody's notorious about doing the minimal promotional tours at Cannes yeah. and the artsy festivals. You know, not doing anything mainstream has has a very closed off process. Where even when he picks his actors, I don't think he considers anything else that outside of who he can get at the time and that he thinks is good for the role. Like even if that person is not even the biggest box office draw, yeah. if he's just popular, he or she is just popular at the time, and he thinks it's right for the role, then so be it. You know, and and. The, the he gets the budget to actually or the, the actor takes it for whatever they can offer them outside of that he doesn't do a lot of promotion he obviously is not active in social media and you always go on about this i think that's why this documentary is interesting you always say that there's plenty of plenty of uh, material out there amateur fan-made semi-professional about every major director you know whether it's spielberg lucas you know you name it scorsese hitchcock whatever and there's plenty of material out there just to get an introduction to these people if you're new if you want to hear something along the lines of a retrospective or video essay or anything like that you can find plenty of content on youtube or anywhere on the internet people dedicate websites to that kind of stuff but woody allen is not really up there even though he's more productive than all these guys and he definitely has a stature and i think that's due to the fact that he never really invested a lot in his own image if you think about steven spielberg anything he produced the movie starts out with his name like he directed steven spielberg presents gremlins steven spielberg presents back to the future steven spielberg presents poltergeist you know spike lee does that a spike lee joint i mean a lot of directors put their name on their movies and i agree with you completely there yeah yeah and i think you know that's why a lot of people are nostalgic a lot of people idolize these guys yeah woody allen had a controversy in the 90s but keep in mind he was what three decades close to three decades two three decades into his career yeah at that point he started off in the 60s i'm talking total career yeah and he's been around since and won plenty of oscars has the record of most nominations for best script best original screenplay i believe so and that's just academy awards that's not even counting you know all his his successes outside of that critically yep so without that nostalgia and really playing to the masses like having that having that kind of fandom and investing in the fandom meeting the fans basically having the attitude of who cares i don't care i don't even like my movies you know that's not exactly uh, when you go to to marketing seminars they always tell you that you gotta project a certain amount of enthusiasm and energy because that gets people excited like you always gotta sound like you're very excited about the product. That's basic sales. Like <laughs> if people bring up Any Hall, which is your crit- most critically acclaimed movie, and your response is, "No, nah, 
that limits your appeal. So I think if you ever wondered why Woody Allen is like that, this movie answers that question. Well, you know what? What I want to say is we've been doing this retrospective. And at this point, even at this point, we've done a lot of research on Woody. We've spoken about his movies. We've, we've you know, we've both read like the Woody Allen pages, watches guys. We did all that stuff on Mia Farrow. So we are very knowledgeable and the Facebook interview as well. We are very knowledgeable about Woody Allen. We know his witticisms. So when we come to this documentary, you know, I liked it because although I knew all the stuff about Woody Allen, there's a lot of gaps that are filled here and there's a lot of things that are reinforced that we always joke about Woody Allen that is proven in this movie. Like, one of the things I know people hate that we say is that all of his movies aren't fantastic. When you watch his documentary, he, he lays it out for you that, yes, he says it himself, guys. You need to hear it yourself. If you never believed it, he's a yearly director. He's more. He believes more in the numbers theory of... I'll keep making a movie and, you know, maybe one will hit. Not like, he, not like he even cares about making a great movie, but he himself knows that I make movies so I like making movies. Not all of them are great. I don't know why people love some more than others. And me and you have always laughed and mocked Woody Allen. You know, him continuously saying this ain't about me. He does it again in this documentary. All the things that we make fun about him, he reinforces with vigor in this documentary. He doesn't like people. He doesn't like the promotion, like you said. And I think one of the most interesting things that I wasn't that aware of, of it, or was of his directing style, which you get to see in this movie, where he's, oh, yeah. he's so hands-off as a director, the actors are taken aback by it. Most of them love him for it, but I can see it frustrates a lot of them because they want more input. But all these whole creative posters kind of like, I hire you for your talent, now I'm going to get out of your way. Yeah, let, let you do your thing. And um, I guess that's what I really appreciate about this film. And for people who haven't seen it or, you know, thinking about checking it out. What's really impressive is the TV version is a two-parter or you have the full cut. That it really follows his entire life. So it starts off with him as a kid. We get a brief introduction how he was born Jewish heritage. I think it's German and Russian combination from so. immigrant immigrants obviously in brooklyn you get to see like him walk through his old neighborhood and right from the get-go and uh, the director mentioned this in a post interview after making the film that woody Allen's whole attitude is why would anybody care why would anybody watch this that's why he never went public and really made an effort to come out even though he shot a lot of the material in here because he had projects like he wanted to do uh interview style documentary with his mother and mia farrow's mother in the 80s and abandoned that so there's a lot of footage here that woody shot for different purposes but his whole mentality was that and he said this in that movie uh wild man's blues that was yeah. also a documentary about him him as a musician that he considers fellini you know and bergman a terrific filmmaker not himself he's like I, I don't deserve this attention which i don't know where he falls in the honesty category because this movie proves that he he's very aware how people perceive him yeah and what his image is and he loves trolling people about it 100 percent, yeah he, he, even if he says i don't like my own movies i think he likes to always pick something that's critically acclaimed just to mess with people just to be like Manhattan, yeah, I, I really didn't want to release that. And when people ask why, it's like, because oh, it's just not good. You know, it's just not what I wanted. It's just not what I was looking for. So he always trolls people. And th that comes off right from the beginning. Like he thinks this is a waste of time. Why would anybody care? 
but he does it anyway because he's a professional and he's very passionate and he's not going to do a half-assed job. So we get to see his entire childhood. It's very interesting from a historical perspective because he's so freaking old. You know, we're talking, what was it, 1940s, 1950s? I think it's 1936, I think. <laughs> I think it's the late yeah, 30s. Yeah, well, well, he was born, but I'm talking about beginning of his career. Where oh, he yeah. started off as a high school student, just like, people were like, maybe you should consider writing funny stuff because you're kind of funny. So he started writing one-liners and sending them into a magazine under the alias of Woody Allen. Because his, yeah. uh, what's his birth name? I know his last name is Allen by birth, but his... Uh, I'll find it while we go along. You keep going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but uh, so as under the alias Woody Allen, and then it gets picked off by one of the columns back in the day. Because uh, it was, I guess, a smaller market after world the world wars and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, the country was just starting to kind of get back into shape. And you had... I guess, easier access. Definitely not as crowded as the entertainment industry is today. So they were like, oh, this kid is funny. So let's just give him a shot and contract him to write a few jokes for a few comedians. And then that led to him actually writing continuously for a few specific comedians. And then those guys turned out to be some of the very recognizable faces at the time. Then he started writing for people to appear in television spots. You know, so he wrote jokes for a specific set. Then he wrote jokes for theater. And then eventually got to the point where he was a renowned comedy writer. And he was looking for representation as a writer to get new gigs and make more money. He also married and he was like, oh, I was too young. Which is his way of saying, I married the first girl that ever slept with me. (laughs) Yeah, I felt that way too. But, you know, that was a common trend back in those days. You just marry. But, you know, actually that scene you mentioned right there is really good because he was like... We dated a few times. What do you do next? You get married. So he was even he yeah, kind yeah, of like, that. We went to the movies. We went to the restaurants. We went to the park. We hold hands. I mean, what what else was there to do? So it it is interesting to kind of put everything in context and and you know the times he grew up in and kind of th- that explains where he comes from as a young man. But it's also fascinating how straightforward things were back in the day. Yeah. Like, he was always consistently working, and not to the same level of success, but certainly, and I'm not saying he didn't struggle, because as the movie shows, when he gets an agent, they're like, you should be performing, you should be the comedian yourself, you write these great lines, you will be really good, you should give it a try, and that that was hard, like, he was failing a lot, he was very nervous, very shy in front of the audience, and when people went to see a shows who were reporters or critiques, or critics, sorry, they would say that, okay, this guy has better lines than any other comedian I saw this week, but his delivery is terrible. So he certainly had to put the work in before he got any mainstream success, which came, you know, many years into his career. But he was consistently working ever since high school and consistently having some level of success and gaining recognition. So I think that is very interesting about him also and surprising i will say i'm very surprised his life has been very straightforward but he's always he worked his way in the career in a very consistent and guided way and it honestly when i was watching this first part of the movie just focusing on his writing and comedian aspect i thought to myself this woody Allen's life is really the makings of a movie in itself just just the the comedian's side before he evolves into the film director which like you said, it's very fascinating because you would just never think his life was that straightforward, but yet that it's like a different person. This first half is like yeah. 
this is kind of a, this is this person is not Woody Allen. This is like a a comedian guy that was guided, and you know, if he died at, like he was twenty five at that point, he would have just been another American American comedian at the times. There's so many of them. He would have been another one. And considering how good he was at comedy, which he was very good, he was actually very funny. He was his own. When he finally made success, many yeah. years in, yeah. it, you know, that's where that kind of, in certain ways, his entire career peaks at that point because he's appearing on the Tonight Show, which I mean, in the '60s, when you had, you know, a couple of TV channels and no other means of entertainment outside of the radio, and you know, going to the pictures, I mean, those shows had amazing viewership. Anybody who had a television watched that show. The only limitation that you had was that a lot of families didn't have a television set because it was expensive. But anybody that had one tuned in. And he was always on there. He was guest hosting the show. They show one of his performances from a TV spot where he's like singing and dancing, which he can't do either. So that's a really interesting pick. Very funny. Very funny. Put him in a tuxedo and just sing and dance, Woody. And he's like... I guess why not? And he, they have his name in like big bright letters, like you know Woody. I think it's all made out of um, made out of. Uh, it wasn't like fire, but I think it was made out of, of some sort of you know lamps or or some sort of lighting equipment. Yeah. It was basically like uh, it, it was it was they were giant glowing letters of his name as you do back in the day, like uh, the Hollywood sign, except it was just Woody instead of hollywood hey man and to top you off man he just seeing that scene where he was fighting a kangaroo in real life i was like that is some real slapstick comedy and it it was it was genuinely hilarious and to be honest with you when Woody Allen was even talking about that i was wondering if he was gonna be ashamed of it but he seemed to be pretty he seemed to be because he's spoken about the movie now you know in his 80s and he's just going reminiscing and I'm like, this motherfucker did a lot of shit, man. This guy really cornered that whole industry before he even touched the movie industry. And I just thought oh, it was yeah. really fascinating. It's like a completely different person. He was very straightforward about it. I think the words he used was nothing was too low. Like, I really did anything just yeah. to gain exposure. My managers told me that you need to get your name out there. People need to know who you are. So he literally took any gig they offered him. And... That's what we always spoke about this, how watching him doing stand up and some of his early films, you would never expect this guy to be so sensitive dramatically, like always lean towards these European art films. And that's the thing he was into because he seems like such a funny guy and that that would be like, you know, the be all end all for him. But looking at his life and then the characters he he kind of portrays rather you know, it's on stage or as a comedic person or on film later on. He always picks these guys in a crisis, you know, like or underachievers to a certain extent. And I'm like, that really wasn't your life. I mean, you had variations of success, but you were continuously working mm. in what you wanted to do. You were a writer to begin with. You didn't start off in McDonald's flipping burgers, you know. Yeah. You had to put the work in. It was hard and you had your share of failures, but... Basically, the first time you picked up, you know, writing... It was more or less smooth sailing from there. He was on the right yeah, track yeah, yeah. from day one. Yeah, they they said, okay, you're good. Here's some money. Do it professionally. And then you just got bigger and bigger and bigger. I have to say, I was kind of jealous. As someone in my like mid-30s who just thinks he found his career path to see someone at such a young age 
just slowly just know where they're going and although he had problems he was always on the track and as we you know I've, obviously not only am i jealous of just him knowing where he was going but as as a black guy i was like wow man i'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people that you know putting that aside there was a lot of white guys even i don't know he's just very unique his life turned out a certain way i didn't know how to be I, i'm jealous of him i admire him it felt like all the pieces came together but at the same time i'll be doing it i would be doing him a disservice to say that he wasn't in full control of his life because at the end of the comedy bit and i want to actually come away from talking about stuff for a minute but at the end of the comedy bit he took control when it came to film he took control of that completely but before we get into that let me come up and say this all that stuff he spoke about about his past and all that you stuff uh robert wiley got some great footage and from a from an aesthetic standpoint how this documentary was shot again is very much in the style he's kind of cutting how Woody Allen would cut it like I feel like Robert Wiley got inspirations from Zelig and Radio Days and how to do this retrospective on Woody Allen himself and I think he did a really good job presenting Woody Allen's life and I was like you know what I think Woody Allen has secretly written the rights for this guy to do his movie when he passes because someone's going to want to do Woody Allen's life after watching this documentary I was like someone's going to want to make this American master, because that's what this whole program's about, American master's Woody Allen, someone's going to do a movie on Woody Allen, and Robert Wydie would probably do it in the style of Woody Allen movie. He would be a good producer on it, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, just just your opinion on how it looks, how the documentary looks, and how he thought you executed it anyway. I was making jokes about the length, but I thought it for all the, the stuff they covered, it flowed very well. Like, it doesn't feel dragged out or long. It's very watchable. I mean, you can break it up because it's a documentary. You don't have to watch it in one sitting. But uh, I pretty much binged it with my girlfriend, you know, more or less. Well, again, the thing is, we're Woody Allen type fans. And I still feel like even if you're a non-fan and I know there's all this contention, why would you want to watch a documentary about Woody Allen? Again, I said this to Simon off, Mike. The thing of Woody Allen fans is that they're very secretive. Like, people okay. say, I like Woody Allen. Or they give him no credit. Like, they love a movie that he did. And when you tell them, oh, by the way, that was directed by Woody Allen, they're like, ah, they just unleash on him. But they still love the movie, though. You know, I'm so glad you mentioned that because let's talk about all the character witnesses for Woody Allen in this documentary because you get a plethora of actors, directors, mostly actors in here, obviously people that worked with Woody Allen in his own movies. But there's a few outside of there, credible people that... Like your boy, Scorsese, he's probably the most notable director praising Woody Allen, you know, in all of his career. And obviously, it was a great touch. It was, under, I mean, they worked together on that movie, that, that New York Stories movie anyway. So it's not like, you know, it's not like they're not colleagues. But it was nice to see people talk about Woody Allen. And I mean, Chris Rock was in this, praising Woody Allen as well, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I mean... Uh... You know, it wasn't like they got everybody under the sun, but definitely, you know, respectable people. Diane Keaton was there, who was also, who's also very private. And that's one thing that was mentioned, that she wanted to do it over the phone and Woody really had to ask her to do it. Yeah. Which shows Woody Allen's dedication that even though he's a private guy and doesn't think much about the documentary, if he signed up for it, he's like, I'm going to give it my all. I think he really likes Robert Whitey. I don't even think it's the project. I think he really likes... Robert Wydie more than anything else because uh, on top of that he brings us into his home he brings us into his home showing us his typewriter his legendary draw with all these ideas and 
he was very open. Just hearing how open he was to do that, because you can't force Woody Allen to do nothing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's where kind of the movie kicks up another notch and becomes even more interesting from a filmmaking perspective, if that makes sense. Because after they finish covering his life and how it's slightly different from what you expect based on his characters, you would think he spent more time, you know, as a student, maybe just chasing girls, doing a day job or something like that. And you get a sense that, okay, this guy was always dramatically inclined. And he talks about some crazy stuff about his youth as well, how he almost got killed twice. Yeah. Like the nanny strangled him once as a little kid. He said that was a kind of a joke though, but he, you know, yeah, that was kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. And then that one kid tried to run him over with his yeah, car. In the playground. School. Yeah. <laughs> like literally he had to jump into like a hole like a, a bottom staircase and yeah. the guy just rammed into the wall yeah really fast and i'm like you know that's kind of crazy stuff but then again i i think back to my childhood i remember we had a like a, a housekeeper you know it's not like we always had a maid because we were either rich or broke you know for six months when we had money we had one housekeeper who was so crazy she was slamming herself into the floor in front of me like she was just suicidal or whatever but uh she does a shit job cleaning, so it's not like it mattered much. You know, I wasn't like, you know, I was like, I was like thinking, oh, is she going to vacuum afterwards? Is she going to clean that mess up? I wasn't anyway. going to make a pun and say she had a crush on you since she was hurting herself. I was but... seven. <laughs> I was really confused. <laughs> she was fat and ugly anyway. Uh, sure, but but... <laughs> from the inside, it's not like the outside matters, you know. Whatever, Simon. <laughs> But getting back on the documentary. Getting look. back on the Woody Allen documentary, right? Yeah. After all that, we, we get to see how he got into film. So his comedic career took off. And they were like, you know what? You write. You're a funny guy. How about, you know, you do something for us in the movie department? And that was uh, What's New Pussycat? Yeah. Where Woody Allen straight up admits, and this is why I like what I like about him, he's smart, that he wrote himself into the movie. And I'm like, that's what you need to do. If people won't give you a proper chance, you just take it. So he wrote himself into the movie, and even though it was a huge success, of course he hated it because the studio changed a few things up to, I guess, adjust it, make it more commercial. They do what producers do. They produce the film. But because it it deferred from his original draft, he didn't like it at all. Yeah. He says he would have loved to remake the movie and stay true to what he originally written, and he would have considered it a better and funnier film, but probably a less successful one. And after that he kind of decided that he needed to be in control. And we all know the story that he was also put in Casino Royale, which we began this whole retrospective with. These movies, these first three movies where he just dabbled in films, he just hated the little control he had so much, except for one, which he didn't mention this documentary, which I'll get to in a minute. He didn't like Casino Royale, his contribution there, didn't like what's he pussycat, did that contribution there. So he was like... Just from the get-go, and this is basically what sets Woody Allen apart from everybody else. If I do a movie... I want full creative control. That's the only way I'm doing it. Once that door was open, once he got a taste, and once that happened, that door never shut. And that was the beginning of the legend that is Woody Allen. And it's all, always about timing. It's very interesting because he went from being able to hate a movie that was extremely successful that he didn't even watch, you know, in the theater, which is What's New Pussycat, to one of the biggest farces like colossal clusterfuck of a productions with casino royale yeah which again he was the funniest part in it but he was basically in a hotel for like months all paid where he wrote like a separate play i think he wrote played against sam while he was in a hotel room just yeah. waiting for the few scenes he had to be filmed he went from 
those two extreme experiences to uh, United Artists really becoming a force in the film industry. And they had that kind of empower the artist mentality. So when they looked at the numbers for uh, What's New Pussycat, and they heard that, hey, Woody Allen's interesting in writing more scripts and perhaps making a movie himself, but he would like, you know, creative control, and that's that's the, the way you can get him. They jumped on the opportunity and said, oh, you know what? Let's give this guy a try if he accepts the budget. And he was like, I'm more than happy to work with a lower budget if I can have my control. And they helped him out. They gave him a good editor. They re-edited the film because the first cut wasn't that great. Mm. This is, you know, obviously take the money and run. But afterwards, he had this great deal with United, United Artists. And he could achieve a lot because... Well, take the, the problem with all of Woody Allen's initial moves were all successful. So take the money run, made a lot of money. It was a snowball effect. It, he, it worked. It's full control thing. Worked full control, small budget, very profitable. Can he, can he you know, make magic happen twice? He did with bananas. And then from there, it just... Papa was a rolling stone, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And even though he was never really concerned about commercial success and love his movies that did well commercially, he doesn't even like or he's yep. unsatisfied with. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, it was a snowball effect. And then going from that and see him, we talked about this while we were talking about and having a conversation about the different films, how he grows as a director. You can see him learn the craft and get better in terms of his uh, vision of how he composes shots and how he works with a cinematographer to his writing, becoming more consistent as he abandons his slapstick and was more sophisticated to being an actor's director, writing from, you know, they always credit Diane Keaton very heavily that before that he was writing everything from through his own eyes. And then when <laughs> me, meeting me, through his own eyes, but not about himself. I was I was just laughing there because Skype turns you into a robot. Guys, I apologize. It's nothing I can edit out, but it was it was fine enough. But you keep going, sir. <laughs> no, no, that, 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 that was just my chip malfunctioning. That's it. But, uh, you know, obviously that would even about themselves. Like, for instance, in any hall, I'll be singer comedic writer for television who dates a girl called Annie Hall. Now, Woody Allen is a comedic writer for television who dated a girl called Diane Hall. See? Completely different. Like, there's no way, shape, or form based on himself. Absolutely well, not. Well, let's just stop there because I don't want to go through every movie because, again, I, I, this wasn't meant to be too long because, again, it's a documentary. No, 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 no not, not at all. And I think that's enough because what I really want to just build up to yeah. is I think... The interesting part of all that was after they went through this filmography, the usual stuff, how he doesn't like his own movies, he only thinks a couple were what he intended them to be, is to see his process, how he basically just types up ideas, sometimes not even a page, sometimes just the title of the film. And then he takes the paper cuts, he lays it out on his bed, and he picks one like, okay, this might be interesting. Then he finishes up the script and just goes into production with it. Like, that's it. Like, he's very blasé about it, very natural. Yeah. And I think people are caught off guard by it. And you mentioned this. We visit him on the set of You Meet a Tall Dark Stranger, and you see him work with actors and how he's notorious for being very hands-off. Yeah. And I think Larry David is also in the interview. He he's the, I, I love that guy now. I, I never knew about him before this. Yeah. At least not enough. But he's the most straightforward guy because he looked at the camera like, people who say... What he doesn't direct are fucking morons. He does direct. He gets what he wants. That's his direction. Like, 
there's not not more to it just because he's not in your face giving you orders every five seconds but at the same time you can see certain people like who was the main guy and um you will meet a tar- dark stranger well just rolling fennels just rolling just getting frustrated because yeah he, he was, was very frustrated <laughs> And I'm like, uh, see, I, I, that's why I don't understand why people are in love with this guy so much. Because I'm like, just, just act. He wasn't the only one, actually. There's a bit I didn't, I didn't know this till after watching. There's a reputation for a lot of ads saying that a lot of people call Woody. It's like the Steve Jobs thing. Like this guy doesn't make products. Like Woody Allen's direct movies. It's like he doesn't do anything. He just lets this people want more guidance they want more proof but then the majority of people just like see jobs they worship him and say no this guy is the fucking best he just lets us do what he wants he does we re- say the script and he just lets us breathe and there's so many people obviously sucking his nuts about how he's the what they call him the actor's director or whatnot and i'm like i think it works for him at the end of the day i i, I can see how people will be upset about that but then again, he's different from everybody else. His whole style is different. It's funny, he wants full creative control, but he wants to disappear at the same time. So it's, <laughs> it's just who he is. It's just weird. And again, Simon, you will never... Look, let me just kind of wrap this up because I don't want to make it too long. You will never see a documentary like this because Woody Allen is so secretive. Robert Wiley takes you behind the scenes. Again, guys, I could talk this... We could talk about this documentary for hours, but there's no point. This is a documentary for people who say they're fans of Woody Allen, don't know a lot about him, hear all this stuff, because honestly, this this documentary covers a lot of their hearsay, even touches upon the Mia Farrow thing, which I'm I'm glad it doesn't shy away from it, but it just kind of brings up and sums up and that's fine. But it, it this documentary just does a good job of going over Woody Anna's life for for people that don't know him, people that do know him, for all the actors that worship him. It's long, but it's very enjoyable. The reason that makes this celebrity documentary one of the best for me is because, honestly, I find a lot of these documentaries that talk about the actor and he's not there, like he's already dead, or he's a mythical god, they, it kind of annoys me. It's really corny. This one where he's there, where they talk about him, then he responds to some things or he agrees. I'm like, that's how a documentary about someone should be. I don't like these ones where they talk about you and you're not there. It just feels like you're worshipping this guy. And Woody Allen, even in this movie documentary he admits his faults he admits he's not great he admits he's not the best he doesn't have all the best track record and he doesn't like this he doesn't like that but it, again you gotta love his brushness and it just really adds to the the mythology of woody and you know robert whitey is the, was the perfect person to do this perfect length again if you're ever curious about him if you don't have the bias of hating woody allen because of controversy and you like some of his movies and you know what? If you just want to see behind the scenes of some of the actors that worked on his movies, and even your boy, Tony Roberts! <laughs> you see your boy, Tony Roberts, even turn up for this one. It's nice to yeah, see... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's nice to see everyone from the past, present, and even future turn up and just talk about him. He's involved, shot really well. And, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up in the Woody Allen retrospective because Robert Wyatt did a fantastic job. And if anything, this does make me excited to see a Woody Allen movie about his life because his life is a Jesus Christ this guy from the comedian aspect to the movie aspect to the controversy to the set and the guy's gonna live to fucking 100 looks like this guy is is an American he's an American film master and he's got an interesting very interesting life and this documentary did a really good well of covering it and I highly recommend it if you're a fan if you're a non-fan but if you have that Woody Allen bias like I know a hell of a lot of people do even if I know people that like Woody Allen that still won't let themselves like him it does a really good job of hum- humanizing him and showing you the real him without all the other stuff 
which I think he did a fantastic job in doing. So I really think this is a really good documentary about Woody Allen. And it ends at a perfect point. You know, it ends with Midnight in Paris. And, you know, the lead up to it is that Woody says, I don't really care about mainstream success. And because of that, most of the time, I never achieve it, you know. (laughs) And then he's talking about how he thinks he may never make a movie that's universally acclaimed and praised and everybody seems to fall in love with. And uh, then Midnight in Paris opens up and you see the reception, how everybody loved that movie and it reinvigorated his career. So I thought that was kind of nice. That that was a a good bookend to this documentary, especially since his next movie, To Rome With Love, is one that everybody hated. So... (laughs) But that won't be the next movie we're covering, by the way. But again, another sidestep. We do on right? top of the sidestep. It's actually probably the last sidestep, ironically. But um, ironically, the thing I love about this documentary is the last line. Sometimes Woody Allen has historically some of the best finishing lines in in you know I won't say movie history, but in some of his movies, he's got such memorable lines. And the last line of this documentary is so fucking ridiculous, <laughs> but it's so honest. It's, it's a joke. But it's, it's like a half joke. What he says is, you know what, man? It just feels like everything in my life fell into place. Everything I said that I wanted, I got. Every move I wanted to do, I did. I had full creative control. And with everything that fell into my life, everything that fell into place, for some reason, I still feel like I got screwed. <laughs> and, and then the movie ends and I was like, fucking Woody Allen. That is such a great line. And I know he's being honest. I know he's just making a joke. I know he actually feels that way. <laughs> so, guys, Woody Allen, a documentary by Robert Whitey. I highly recommend it if you're a fan, not fan. I said it before. But, you know, Simon, I apologize for the sidestep. But, honestly, I'm glad you did watch it. Because, you know, we are the experts now. We're getting all these gaps filled with all these superfluous data. And again, we're in such a small community of the people that are trying to celebrate Woody Allen for what he's done. But guys, if you like the conversation, you agree with us, you don't agree, you think Woody Allen is a monster or whatever, let us know in the comments down below. And as always, I've got to thank my boy Simon Rad for joining me on this sidestep. That's okay. That's all you're going to get. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so, son, because we've got one more sidestep before we just <laughs> hit it with the movies. But at least the next one is a movie featuring Woody Allen. I promise you that much. So, And actually, it's one I haven't seen yet. So we're going to both go in this one blind. Guys, as always, thanks for joining the retrospective. Links in the description. Don't forget to check out our friend, the Woody Allen pages. Danny there. Appreciate all the support we're getting from you guys. We love the support, the comments, the feedback, the podcast listeners. Thank you very much. Subscribe to the channel. And guys, we'll leave it at that and see you on the next recording.